0: Help us receive the message you have for us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's see what's happening in Luke chapter 7. First, we read about the centurion's bondservant who was healed by Jesus, even when Jesus was not yet in the man's home. In fact, the centurion sent Jesus back because he didn't feel worthy for Jesus to be in his home. His belief in Jesus was present, even though Jesus wasn't actually present. And the Bible says Jesus marveled at this man's faith. May our faith be strengthened today as we continue to read his word. Verse 23 says, And blessed, happy with life, joy, and satisfaction in God's favor and salvation, apart from outward conditions, and to be envied is he who takes no offense in me. And who is was not hurt or resentful or annoyed or repelled or made to stumble, whatever may occur. Interesting that we read, whatever may occur, as this world tries to steal our peace and our eternal life, for that is of the primary interest for the enemy, Let us reach for the one who is the prince of peace and continue to seek him instead of the world. We read about Jesus' feet being anointed by a woman, a woman devoted to sin, according to verse 39. Verse 47 is profound. As Jesus said, therefore, I tell you, her sins, many as they are, are forgiven her because she has loved much. But he who is forgiven little loves little. And then Jesus told her that her sins were forgiven. In fact, he tells her twice. Our chapter ends with Jesus telling her, Your faith has saved you. Go, enter into peace, in freedom from all the distresses that are experienced as the result of sin. Love, faith, and belief in Jesus saved this woman. Let us put on love and faith today as we believe in the one who came to save us. Well, let's see what Peter is writing in chapter 2 of his second letter. He starts writing about false prophets and the condemnation that is coming for them. He recounts that God did not spare the angels in heaven who sinned. He did not spare the world before Noah except Noah and his family. And he did not spare Sodom and Gomorrah. In verse 9, it says, Now if all these things are true, then be sure the Lord knows how to rescue the godly out of temptations and trials and how to keep the ungodly under chastisement until the day of judgment and doom. Let us choose the way of righteousness, knowing the Lord will rescue us from temptations and trials. We also know we are saved by the blood of Jesus as we keep believing. We will never be perfect this side of heaven, but thanks be to God who made a way for us to be his even through our inability to save ourselves. Peter also writes about those who were saved, but then become entangled in sin once again, unbelievers at the end. He tells us their latter situation is far worse than if they had never known there was a savior. Let us pray against temptation as Jesus taught us in the Lord's Prayer and as he told his disciples in the Garden of Gethsemane. Let's see what's happening in 2 Samuel chapter 17. These next two chapters have the makings for an amazing action-adventure movie. King David's old counselor, Ahithophel, gave Absalom counsel to raise up men right away and pursue the king. However, the man David sent back to spy on Absalom gave him other advice, which he liked, and it was taken. The message about what was planned against David was delivered. Unfortunately, Ahithophel knew his time as a counselor was over and he took his own life. In chapter 18, we see more deception and destruction as Absalom's army goes against David. Since David had received the message of the attack, he was ready. He put three men in charge of three different companies of military and 20,000 men were killed that day, Absalom's men. Verse 8 leads me to believe God was on David's side because it says, For the battle spread over the face of all the country, and the forest devoured more men that day than did the sword. We read that Joab, one of David's top men, found Absalom and killed him. The news saddened David greatly as he said, O my son Absalom, my son, my son Absalom, would to God I had died for you, O son Absalom, my son, my son. As we read through the Psalms, now you'll know the story of how King David's son rose up against him even after David brought him back into the kingdom he was banished from because he killed Amnon, his half-brother, another of David's sons. The loss of a child is grave, and now David had lost two sons, not counting the babies who died before them. Psalm 140 is written by David. He is being hunted by his enemies, likely at the time Saul sought his life. He was on the run for his life. His confidence in God's watch over him is strong, as he writes in verse 12. I know and rest in confidence upon it that the Lord will maintain the cause of the afflicted and will secure justice for the poor and needy of his believing children. I love the last part of the last verse of this psalm. The upright shall dwell in your presence before your very face. My everyday goal is this, to dwell in God's presence. Let us pray. O Lord, thank you for your word that continues to teach us more about you and your ways. Lord, we ask that as we learn more of you, our hearts worship you even more. May our love for you grow day by day, and may we sit in your presence and be made whole by you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for walking this journey with me and being a faithful reader of God's word. I pray that he shows himself as the God who loves you deeply and cares about every detail in your life. Come back tomorrow for some more thoughts and insights as you read God's Word.